Hello and welcome to another episode of Virtual Legality. I'm your host, Richard Hogue, managing member of the Hogue Law Business Law Firm of Northville, Michigan. And I know what you're going to say, Rick, why are we doing part 12 of the Last of Us Legality series? And I want to say I didn't intend to. And honestly, this particular story is not so much about Sony, DMCA takedowns, all that good stuff. This is just a very good story to talk to you a little bit about compulsory music licenses. And it just so happens that The Last of Us Part Two, Naughty Dog, Sony, and the rest are at the heart of every single copyright-adjacent story in the video game space this past six weeks. So with that all being said, what you see on your screen right now is the cover of a set of covers, musical covers, done by a musical performing artist named Lottie Kestner. Now, ironically, this particular album is named Stolen, and that's exactly what we're going to talk about today. So, Miss Kestner put out a tweet late last night that said the following. Neil Druckmann, the director, the creative lead behind Last of Us Part Two, and Naughty Dog, the developers, hey, are you aware that the True Faith cover you put in your Last of Us 2 trailer is a replica of my cover that came out 10 years ago? I wrote original parts, not in the original song, that are copied exactly by whoever covered it. I am heartbroken. Your fans seem to have noticed because they are commenting on my old video thinking it's the same song. Credit? Compensation? At 3.30 in my song in particular is the vocal part that I wrote, which is featured in your trailer, exactly. And this was picked up in a bunch of different places. I, of course, made the obvious joke, looking forward to the DMCA takedown notices on the commercial. Yes, that's a joke. I can't imagine there will be DMCA takedown notices of this commercial, but IGN picked it up. This is actually where I saw it initially. It says, The Last of Us Part Two trailer accused of copying artists without permission. And they copy or they reference the tweets that we just talked about. They give a little bit of more background. And then they say to compare, it's worth listening to the cover, the trailer, and the original song. So that's in fact what I did. I went and I watched the new commercial. It's really an extended commercial and not a trailer so much, but it uses a lot of rendered imagery to show Ellie, the main character of The Last of Us Part Two, running around getting into all sorts of trouble while she sings this song on her guitar, or ostensibly does for purposes of the commercial. I listened to the cover, and here's where I admit that as a lawyer, as a corporate lawyer, I don't have the right ear to tell you that these things are exactly the same. They're definitely different recordings. There are certain things that are alike about them. They have about the same pacing uh, and about the same kind of tonal feel. And you can certainly hear some of the places where there is additional vocalization that does seem to match up. But certainly from a copyright perspective, you would need a music expert. You would need some folks that are really looking at this issue hard to decide whether there was actual copyright infringement of this cover apparently done 10 years ago of this song that I had never heard of from 1987. And giving you the true 1987 feel, it starts with a man in makeup in a barrel costume hitting an alien in the face. Uh, and it definitely is a very different sounding song. Uh, and so the cover that was done originally 10 years ago does kind of establish this tonal field that the Last of Us commercial definitely plays in. But even assuming that this wasn't a cover and this was just Lottie Kestner's original work, would this be stealing from it uh, just based on the nature of 
what was done? Is it close enough to what was done over here to not be a cover of this original song? I think that's an open question, but as we will see, it probably doesn't matter because of the way compulsory licenses work. As IGN describes what happens here, and they talk about the song, they say the legal status of this is murky. Not so murky. We're going to get into that in a second. While currently unconfirmed, it is likely that the copyright permission for the trailer was sought from New Order rather than Lottie Kestner. So despite the song not being Kestner's original work, does she have any legal grounds over her arrangement? A similar case can be found from back in 2013 when Jonathan Coulton, yes, the guy who wrote Portals Still Alive, found that his folky cover of Sir Mix-a-Lot's Baby Got Back had been covered identically by the Fox TV show Glee. Take a listen to his cover and the Glee version. It's a very similar arrangement right down to the banjo. When interviewed about it by Wired, Colton said, Fox got in touch with my peeps to basically say that they are within their legal rights to do this. It seems that because of the compulsory license I purchased when I made a cover of this song, the arrangement itself is not protected under copyright, although it is the darkest gray of the gray areas of the law. While there may be some weird offshoot of the law, it doesn't seem like something where a little guy could sue to get any satisfaction. It appears then that Lottie Kessner may be stuck fighting in a very unclear area of copyright law. Now, as we have talked about, virtually every part of intellectual property law, including the Copyright Act, fair use, and everything that goes into it, is what we might describe as murky. That being said, in this particular instance, this isn't what I would consider a terribly murky corner of the law. And to understand why, we really have to dive into a section of the Copyright Act we haven't looked at yet, primarily because music licensing, and this is a legal term of art, is absolute hell. Music licensing relates to all sorts of things that you might not think of. In general, music, songs, is divided in various ways, and you have to go to various parties to get the license to making a song. So if you want the lyrics, you need to go to the publisher. If you want the recording of the specific instance of the music, you have to go to the record label. If you want to perform it, you might have to go to one of the performing uh, intellectual property holders. If you want to broadcast it, maybe YouTube and TV stations have already done that for you. But you have to think of music as if it was uh, a recipe out of a cookbook with all these different ingredients and you need to license them all for various uses. And because of that, the Copyright Act actually says, okay, that's pretty tricky. That's difficult for most. We still want to encourage inventiveness. We still want to encourage people to be able to use songs. They have what we call a mechanical license or a compulsory license under the law. And what this does, and this is one of the longest laws that we could possibly read in this section, so we're not going to read it all. It's very, very long. What this does is it says, okay, you can go and you can negotiate with all these parties that you might need to do what you want to do. But if you don't want to do that, we in the law are going to say we can set a royalty rate, a royalty rate being a certain amount of money that you pay whenever you sell a copy of this thing that you are going to make. We will set a royalty rate in the law that it will, will change, we'll reexamine, but it'll be a set number of dollars or, or, or cents of, of dollars. And you will be able to do this thing without talking to the other party. You send them a notice, you send them the money, and you are fine. It's compulsory, right? It's it's mandated. And so this section of the law, which we heard referenced at the end of that IGN article, is how most cover songs are out there in the wild. If you've ever sat back and wondered, hey, how can they cover 
this Beatles song? How can they cover this kind of thing? Wouldn't that be tricky for this small town band to actually go and license this multinational, very popular set of music? And it would be, but they don't have to because the law says, hey, we like to have fun with music. And in this space, in virtual reality, we've talked about potentially having other kind of compulsory licenses. Even yesterday when we were talking about what digital lending looks like, a compulsory license, something that says, hey, if you do this thing, you owe this amount of money, is the kind of thing that might be a good solve for dealing with the digital environment of lent books. But right now, we're talking about music. And in order to understand why Mr. Kestner almost certainly doesn't have a case against Naughty Dog or Sony or anyone else, we have to understand this section of the act. So this is called Scope of Exclusive Rights in Non-Dramatic Musical Works, Compulsory License for Making and Distributing Phono Records. Right? Just rolls off the tongue, doesn't it? It says, in the case of non-dramatic musical works, that's right, you can have a dramatic musical work. They really mean audio work uh, there. But what we're talking about here is songs, popular music that we might consider musical works in general. The exclusive rights provided by clauses 1 and 3 of section 106 to make and distribute phono records of such works are subject to compulsory licensing under the conditions specified by this section. Now, if you haven't been here before or you just don't remember, 17 U.S.C. 106 is where we get the exclusive rights that a copyright holder has in their works, and most prominently, they are to reproduce, prepare derivatives, distribute for sale, and perform or display publicly. And what this just said is that one in three don't count if you otherwise follow the rules of this section, and that's to reproduce, you'll be allowed to do, and to distribute, including by means of sale, you'll be allowed to do. So you'll be able to sell what you are doing if you otherwise follow the rules here. And here's the primary rule. Uh, Let's see here. Let's go down to what is happening. Conditions for compulsory license. A person may, by complying with the provisions of this section, obtain a compulsory license to make and distribute phono records of a non-dramatic musical work, including by means of digital phono record delivery. A person may obtain a compulsory license only if the primary purpose in making phono records of the musical work is to distribute them to the public for private use. Now that might trip you up, right? It's not that you can only use it privately yourself. It's that the license that you go out with from what you are selling can only be for private use. If you are using a compulsory license, you can't sell your cover to a commercial space to broadcast throughout their mall. You can't do that kind of thing without going and getting an actual license from the underlying intellectual property holders. And note that this is about phono records, which is the Copyright Act's way of saying digital files or CDs, uh, if you're if you're still listening to things on CDs. It's the actual record of the music. It's the recording of the performance. You, you can distribute those. You can sell those. But it has to be for private use of the person that is buying them from you. And if you do that... You say, okay, that's great. I can reproduce it and I can distribute it. But what I really want to do is make a cover. I want to arrange it. And here's where the rubber hits the road for this particular issue. A compulsory license includes the privilege of making a musical arrangement of the work to the extent necessary to conform it to the style or manner of interpretation of the performance involved. So you can take this 1987 jam with the barrel man and the alien And you can slow it way down and you can add vocalization. And and obviously just having it uh, sung uh, by a woman is different than what this sounds like in 1987. You can do that. You can slow it down and that's okay. But 
The act also says the arrangement shall not change the basic melody or fundamental character of the work. Now, that's an interesting one. Fundamental character. You don't see this necessarily litigated that much because you want to talk about gray areas of the law. What does it mean for a cover of a song to change the fundamental character of the work? If I make this kind of party sounding song into an almost melancholy lament, I would argue that that changes the fundamental character, the thrust of the song, but not under the law. They're really talking about really, really modifying it, really changing it. If you want to do that, then you have to go and get an actual license, right? This is all the compulsory stuff. This is the baseline set of rules. This is what you can do if the other side doesn't even want to talk to you. But at the end of the day, you can always go and negotiate with them and say, hey, I actually want to do something really weird with this. I really want to do something that is very different. I want to change the fundamental character of the work. Can we agree to some kind of licensing? Or if you've got enough pull or leverage or you're just popular enough, you can go and you can say, hey, the compulsory license is too expensive. I don't want to pay you eight cents. I want to pay you four. And you can have that negotiation as well if you've got the leverage. The compulsory license is essentially the backstop. Hey, I don't want to talk to them. They don't want to talk to me. And I want to do a cover. And so I can do it on the basis that some copyright judges somewhere come up with uh, for that given year. But here is where Ms. Kessner has her primary problem. When you make a cover, when you make this arrangement under a compulsory license, it shall not be subject to protection as a derivative work under this title, except with the express consent of the copyright owner. So what this language is trying to do is essentially trying to say, you're not going to be able to avail yourself of copyright protection. It's not a derivative work, even though as we think about these things, it is a derivative work, right? Derivative works are things that are derivative of additionally copyrighted materials. When you make a cover of a song, it is undoubtedly a derivative work. But the law comes in and says, not in this case. If you're doing it under this compulsory license, you're not going to get that protection. Now, where there is a little bit of murkiness, but not really to the extent that IGN suggests there is, is that copyright attaches to what you make regardless, right? So it's not a derivative work under the original copyrighted material, but is it separately copyrighted? Is it something separately owned by you? This vocalization on three, minute three, sex, uh, second 30 of the song recording that you were doing, is that something that you copyright own yourself? I think that's the argument that she would like to make. I think that's the argument that the Glee guy would like to make as well, but probably not. When you have a congressional directive like this, it is going to be read by most, and when I say most, I mean the courts, as suggesting that Congress was trying to say that if you do this under a compulsory license, you don't get the benefits of copyright protection for what sprang out of your cover. And because of that, because it's very likely that Sony and Naughty Dog either compulsorily did this, or more likely as Sony being a big multinational corporation with lawyers that can handle these kinds of things, they went and they licensed out from the people that have this license, which is probably a clearinghouse at this point, but might be new order, who knows. Sony went and licensed it directly and then they don't have to go through this. And they can even be inspired by this cover. They can even maybe walk right up to the line and copy this cover. And because of the way that it was very likely made under compulsory license, and we're speculating on that basis, but as a kind of smallish cover of a song, it's probably done on compulsory basis and not through a separate licensing. 
if that's not the case, or if you know that's not the case, leave a comment to the video and let me know. But assuming that it is the standard way of doing covers, compulsory licensing, then this section in blue basically prevents that cover creator from bringing a claim on this kind of basis. And if you sit back and you say, well, Rick, doesn't that mean that the Sonys of the world can go and quote unquote be inspired by covers that are made under compulsory licenses? My answer to that is yes. Uh, and you can see this kind of stealing uh, writ large in a lot of places. But at the end of the day, regardless of how you feel about that, in almost all cases, it won't make sense for Miss Kestner to bring a claim here. And even if she did, I certainly wouldn't think that her chances of success are very high. So unlike the rest of the Last of Us Legalities series, I think that Sony and Naughty Dog are probably going to win the day on this one, are probably in the right. No abuse here that I can tell, other than abuse of the spirit of the law, potentially, if they did in fact get quote-unquote inspired uh, by the cover version that they listened to of this particular song. But as I said in the middle of this video, Compulsory licenses, music licenses are topics that we might be covering in more depth here in this space because they're crazy, because they are an infernal hellscape of copyright law. And I do like to think about them because they are really where all the trouble comes in. If you ever watched an episode of Scrubs on Netflix, you know that public performance and sync licenses and everything else is a problem for all of these shows that were made in the early 2000s that then were rebroadcast on Netflix, didn't have the rights or were put on DVD, didn't have the rights to the phono records, all this good stuff, and it's a wild, wild area of intellectual property law. If you like this, please like, subscribe, comment to the video, help the algorithm, ring the bell, share it with everybody that you know, put it on forums and Reddit and everywhere else. I really appreciate it. We love to have those conversations in this space. If you watched it on YouTube, thank you so much for watching, and if you listen to it as a podcast, thank you so much for listening, and I will catch you on the very next episode of Virtual Legality. Virtual Legality is a YouTube video series with audio podcast versions presented as commentary and for education and entertainment purposes only. It does not constitute legal advice and does not create an attorney-client relationship. If you have legal questions about the topics discussed, please consult your own legal counsel.